Hello, this is Amber. My website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. I'm a healer and a teacher. My work is focused on healing core wounds, inner child work, trauma healing, um, as well as sacred union to inflame soulmate unions. The website, again, sacredspacehealing.org. Hello and welcome to this podcast. So today's podcast is focused um, on toxic people, for want of a better word. Um, Yeah, let's call it that. Let's call it toxic people. And how we can navigate ourselves through these relationships that may be bringing us down in some way. So I see quite a lot on the internet, on social media, about uh, toxic people and what to do and the the different labels for this, you know, narcissists and um, empaths and the dynamic between the two and and what we need to do in order to distance ourselves from narcissists if we're empaths and energy vampires and so on. Um, And a lot of that information has always very much resonated with me. You know, I think we all know that there are certain people that we can find ourselves in the company of and we just feel exhausted around them, you know, we feel all our our good vibes, all our good energy is gone or we have people in our lives, whether it's family or friends or even partners or work colleagues, that we tell them something and the minute you tell them something, that thing doesn't happen because they sort of, it feels like they put a bit of a spell on it, you know, they kind of, they send some bad juju our way and, and suddenly we're not, we're not vibing in the same way that we were before or just having people in our lives who don't support us you know they're not there when we're having low days or they're not particularly supporting us in our dreams and our projects they're always the one to say that's not going to work why are you doing this or to mock us in some way um and I think we've all had people like this in our lives whether it's family or friends or partners or work colleagues or you know even just people you might meet at a workshop or you might meet in a in a circle or at the gym or something so I think it is healthy self-care to distance ourselves from people like this because it's not going to do us any good to be around people that don't lift us up that don't make us feel better about ourselves that don't celebrate us I think it's healthy that we cut cords and that we move away and that we distance ourselves and we say, you're not the person for me because you're not celebrating me. And possibly they celebrate others in their lives, they just don't celebrate you because they're jealous or it's just an incompatible dynamic between the two of you or they're getting triggered by you or you're getting triggered by them or karma or who knows. But it's not really always worth investigating why that's happening. It's just always it's just often a good practice to distance ourselves. But then I've been thinking recently about well, what happens when we've had really healthy dynamics with people that suddenly change. Do we then suddenly cut them out of our lives, or what happens when we, as a society, continue to cut toxic people out of our lives? What happens to those toxic people? Where do they go? Who's taking care of their needs? Or do they just bunch up with more toxic people and create a toxic city or a toxic world? I, you know, whatever it is. So it's been quite interesting this year, 2018. For many, for many of my clients, myself included, we felt a huge shift in consciousness. And that there is this wave of 
I don't know what you want to call it, you know, the wave of empowerment, if you like, in inverted commas, of people speaking their truth, a wave of change, and also a kind of a spiritual wave, if you like, of people waking up to spiritual practices, to chakras meditations, to shamanism, to Reiki, to all of this kind of stuff. And for many people who've been on the path for a while, myself included, this is interesting to watch I suppose it's interesting to watch a consciousness a group consciousness a world consciousness awaken to the things that many of us have been talking about for years for decades and many more have been talking about for centuries for thousands of years Um, suddenly we've got humanity kind of waking up to a greater consciousness to connecting with the universe to equal rights to humanity to equality to speaking your truth you know five years ago the term speaking your truth was something not very many people said it was just something that was said in shamanic circles and now everyone says it people say it on social media all the time so it's quite interesting to witness that and one of the big waves that is happening at the moment is this wave of cutting toxicity out of one's life you know cleanse yourself clear yourself align yourself with what is for you cut out of your life what isn't for you and I'm a big advocate of that I've always said that in my healing sessions with clients especially in the core wound work but in all of my work and the Reiki attunements also you know we have to align with what it is that we wish for and we have to clear out of our lives or simply let go from our lives what no longer serves us Um, and I think sometimes that's pretty easy to do You know, sometimes it's quite easy to walk away from those people at the gym or, you know, those friendships maybe that feel like they've run their course. But sometimes it's harder to do because it's family or it's it's a partner, it's someone that we love or it's, you know, a very, very close friendship. And it's hard to just walk away from someone that we have very strong feelings for. So I have a thought that's come to me, which is what if the next stage of our evolution is not to cut people out of our lives and shun away the toxic. What if the next stage of our evolution is inclusivity? Is how can we bring the very heinous, if you like, the very toxic, back into the fold? What is it that they need? What is it that they are not getting which is creating this toxicity? And how can we assist them in reconnecting and realigning so that they are also in their light, they are also in their truth, and therefore, presumably, if they're in their light and their truth, they're not going to feel the need to feed off others and be energy vampires or play games or um, create toxicity in the world because they're going to be create, connected to that, that's, that source of love that feeds them. So what if that is the next stage in our evolution, that we are to take our, you know, our rapists and our killers and our muggers... Um, and those that we fear and those that we hate and those that we demonize, what if we are to include them at the table and find union in some way? Because I feel like part of what we're doing when we're cutting the toxic out of our lives is we're saying, I'm not toxic. I'm better than this. I'm better than this person. And we, we push away the shadow aspect. And I feel that When we do that without owning where the shadow lies in us, we're just kind of spiritually bypassing the issue. And we're also kind of, if you like, offloading the problem onto someone else. I saw something on social media a while back. I mean, I'm not a big social media person, but I will dip in and out just to sort of, you know, reach people on the Facebook page for the healing work. And um, I saw something on a page that was a page for an area in London 
like an appreciation society for this area in London. And um, there, someone had put up a photo. I, I actually posted about this on my Facebook page, but someone had put up a photo of a homeless man uh, who they said was pretending to to have been mugged and then was going around asking people for money. So his story was, I'd been mugged, and he'd sort of created a gash on, on a cut on his forehead, and then he would be begging for money. And, and then I just kind of saw the comments that came under that photo. So someone revealed that this, this man, I think he used to be a musician, and he fell into depression and drugs and just kind of fell through the cracks of the system, if you like, and was now wandering the streets doing this, basically, and had been doing it for years and d- does it from area to area in London. And I was staggered at the number of comments that were lacking in compassion or humanity for this human being, for this soul on their journey, for this soul that was suffering. You know, there were people saying that he should be arrested, that he should be locked up, that if anyone sees him, they should ignore him, that no one should give him any money, that, I mean, just some horrible stuff was being said. And so my first response really was shock at kind of hearing this such a such a collective voice about how we need to shun the unacceptable we need to shun the toxic you know and then and then my other response that that came from that was well you know what it what does what what does this man need how did he get to this situation in his life where he's on the streets without a job without family without friends begging for money uh, and having to and, and lying for it, and then my next response was all he has done by sort of painting a wound on his head is taken his internal and externalized it and said, "This is the wound that's in me, but because you can't see the wound in people who have mental illness or addiction, you know you can't actually see how they're bleeding, how they're suffering because it's there's a mask that goes with it that we can't seem to see through. This man had just taken his wound and put it on his forehead and gone, this is the the amount of pain that I'm in, please can you help me? Now there's many communities around the world where there isn't, and in, 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 in indigenous communities, where there isn't homelessness, where that you will not find people begging for food or money or not having a place to live because the community will take them in and feed them and clothe them and give them a roof over their heads because we are all one. If one of us amongst our community is suffering, we all suffer. If one of us is taking to the streets begging, then we all are begging in some way. But we don't have that in our so-called civilised Western society, if you like. We have the ability to judge. We have the ability to to shun, not all, not all of us, but as a mass consensus, when I see this wave of spiritual speak about how we need to cut out the toxic from our lives, what that's creating in us is a real lack of compassion, a kind of robotic AI heartless lack of compassion, where rather than asking why is this person behaving this way and what can I do to assist them, we just shun them away. And I think there is the same danger that we can start to do that in our personal lives, um, in our work lives, but just in our lives. Um, to look at someone who t- is take, is t- takes to the streets or is homeless or is begging for money or you know whatever they might be doing to try to survive, it takes 
in some ways it takes a lot. I remember my Reiki master, one of my Reiki masters saying to me, it takes a lot to be homeless. I actually don't think that's true. I used to think that was true, but I actually don't think that's true anymore. I don't think it takes a lot to lose everything. I think it takes one, uh, one, one point in your life where you're out of alignment, one bad decision, one moment in your life where you fell asleep at the wheel and suddenly everything can change. There is, um, there is a YouTube clip actually out there that is, that is about that falling asleep at the wheel and it is about a man who had everything in some senses. I think he was, I think he was an athlete or a sportsman in some way and he fell asleep at the wheel while he was driving, went, had an accident and I think lost both of his legs. And he talks about how that was a turning point in his life, how it woke him up. So we can all fall asleep at the wheel of life. We can all make a decision that suddenly takes us down a pathway that we never thought we would find ourselves in. And one bad move, one, one moment in our lives where we're out of alignment and suddenly everything is spiraling. Everything is continuing in that bad energy, if you like, in that dark space. And before you know it, you can very easily find yourself on the streets with nothing. I've always felt that. I've always seen, looked at the homeless community and felt that I'm a breath away from that. We all are. We think that because we have our houses and our families and our jobs um, and our friends and our partners, that something like that could never happen to us. And we often judge people who are in addiction or we judge people who are destitute in some way because we think that they're weak. How do they allow themselves to get there? But what we don't seem to realize is that it could happen to any one of us. I can't speak for the care system in any other part of the world. So if you're listening from other parts of the world, I don't know what the care system is like for you, but I can speak for it here in the UK and I can speak for it in, the, in London. And I know that in London, if you need help, 90% of the time, 99.9% of the time, if you need help and you don't have money to pay for that help and you use the care system in this country, you go on a waiting list if you're lucky. And that waiting list can go from anything from a month to six months to even longer. So some of our most vulnerable people who say have experienced grief, uh, sexual abuse, trauma, sexual assault, rape, um, anything that has sort of shattered their sense of self, suddenly may find they don't have the money to go see a top therapist or a massage therapist or a healer or they had the money, but then they lost the money because they made a series of bad decisions because they were in such a bad state emotionally. Now they're in the care system. Now they're having to ask for help for free. If you go to a crisis shelter, so if you go to any of the crisis shelters in the UK, which are amazing and can help you not only with addictions, but also, you know, sexual assault and rape, you know, those kind of big things in our lives that it's very hard sometimes to overcome. There are amazing spaces for you to go and get a lot of free services, but a lot of these spaces are really feeling the weight of not getting any government funding, so they're struggling. Therefore, a lot of people are put on waiting lists. A lot of their groups are oversubscribed. So not everyone gets to go and have free therapy or free massages or free counselling, which is this sort of idea that we have. You know, If you're not well, you should go see your doctor and your doctor will you know, send you to a therapist, but that's not how it works. If you don't feel well and you go to your GP, most of the time your GP is going to put you on antidepressants and many people react to antidepressants so it actually makes their symptoms worse. Um, it can sometimes cause psychosis in people. Uh, so you have to go through a long system of trying lots of different antidepressants. That takes months and months and months and before you know it, you've lost your sense of self. 
So my point of explaining this is it can happen to any one of us that if you don't have London especially, but the world is becoming a place where if you have the money, you can pay for the best healers, you can pay for the best therapists, the best doctors to look after you. But if you don't have the money, that's when you fall through the cracks because the system is not strong enough to hold the number of people that are struggling. And the reason we're struggling is because we are out of alignment as a world consciousness. But if you go on social media, if you click on Instagram, you know, if you pick up the newspaper, if you turn on the news, what you see is this wave of consciousness. So you see the rise of sisterhood and feminism and you see the rise of spirituality and you go and you listen to, you know, some podcasts on on big kind of cultish cultish famous people talking spiritual speak and we think we're a very evolved nation and that everyone uh, an evolved world and that that we're in we're in a good place but we're not in a good place if we see a rising level of homelessness addictions uh mental health disorders we're not in a good place if we're shunning away the very people that need our help and i think this does start from the areas in our lives is that that one toxic person in your life that you don't want to have around anymore because every time you're around them brings your vibe down and you've decided not to, you know, they're texting you and ringing you and saying, do you want to meet up? And you've decided, you know what, I don't want to be around them anymore. They really bring my vibe down. That one toxic person could be the person that tomorrow kills themselves or tomorrow ends up on the streets with nothing because their toxicity is a cry for help. And so as the saying goes, everyone... Every act is either an act of love or a cry for love. Now, I think the next level in our evolutionary consciousness is to understand that every form of behavior, every act, every, every situation that we're in is either an act of love, a, a sort of um, a display of love, or it's a cry for love. Um, you know, you see that with animals. So you see that with dogs or cats. You know, if a dog wants your attention, they'll bark at you or they'll scratch at something or they'll bite something. Now, the sort of unevolved way of responding to an animal who does that is to kick the animal. You know, kick them, tell them off, push them away, punish them. But that's unevolved. The dog is barking at you, scratching something, biting something you know, trying to get your attention because the dog needs something, whether it's water or food or to go for a walk or just your love. It's the same with kids. Kids kick up a tantrum and they scream and they don't articulate very well because they're kids what they really need. The unevolved way of responding to a child when they're having a tantrum is to shout at them. The evolved way is to actually ask them what they need. And actually, if you can communicate to your child with love and integrity and compassion and from a space of the heart, that your child will feel that and respond accordingly and tell you what they need, which is often love they, in some form, food, water, a hug, understanding, playtime, whatever it is. The people in our lives that we deem as toxic, it's a cry for help. Now, I think the thing to be mindful of is, of course, we don't give to these people endlessly until we have nothing left to give because that's, that's not helping anyone. But we can start to bring in an awareness of what is this person wanting? And if I can't give them what they're wanting, maybe I can redirect them. Now, of course, you have many instances where people will go around asking for help, but they will do very little to help themselves. So they'll come to you and they'll look for money or they'll look for healing or they'll look for something. But then you offer them a suggestion. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And they won't do it. 
So in those situations, I can understand how challenging it can be to have people like that in our lives. And we call these people energy vampires or narcissists, you know, people that deplete us. But they're still souls on a journey. They're still here to experience their own journey, but also to help others evolve. I believe if we see how interconnected we are, we see that every soul is trying to assist us in some way. So I I often feel that those that are most destitute, you know, the, the homeless guy who's, who's asking you for some money, the, the, the energy vampire, if you like, in inverted commas, they're all, they're all trying to help us grow. They're not trying to hurt us, they're trying to help us become our truest selves, our most divine selves, our most caring selves. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that these people, in inverted commas, that we see as toxic, we have to hang out with every week or we have to give money to or we have to, you know, spend time with if we don't want to. But it can mean that we can just have a loving thought about them. It can mean that we can just send them a text message or, you know, ask them how they are. Um, It can mean that we can dig deeper and see that their behavior is probably a cry for love. And that doesn't mean that you have to gift them endlessly until you bleed dry. But it is about finding a way in which you can be love. And when you are love, then your presence is enough. Now, I think the most important thing that we don't look at in in this kind of cut toxic people out of your life mantra is that when your cup is full, when you are filled with love, when you are filled with spirit, when you are filled with God, when you are filled with your divinity then this kind of stuff's not going to trigger you. Then when you are in overflow, there is enough for you to give to others and you won't feel depleted. So you actually won't feel that anyone around you is an energy vampire draining you because you're in overflow. So I think actually that these people that we like to deem energy vampires and toxic and so on are serving a really important purpose. They're showing us that we are are ourselves not in alignment. That, we're, that our cup is not overflowing. Because if it were, we wouldn't see them as a drain. We wouldn't see them as toxic. We would just see that their behavior is a cry for help. And because we're in overflow, we would be able to just sort of allow that love to flow out to them, but we wouldn't feel depleted. You only feel depleted if your cup isn't full. So I think the work is always starts within. How can you fill your cup? As in, how can you fill yourself full of all the things that make you feel good, that make you feel expansive, that make you feel joyful? And then these kind of energies aren't going to affect you so much. You're not going to want to cut people out of your life. You're going to see your presence in people's lives as a gift and that their presence in your life is a gift and that actually that's when it becomes a really beautiful relationship. Now, I've had, I've known times in my life when I feel like my cup is in overflow and so if I'm around people that tend to be a little bit negative or they tend to sort of put me down I'm aware of that I'm aware that it's happening but because my cup's in overflow I kind of feel that I can just give the love it's fine they, they just need more love right now and that's fine because that love's going to come back to me at some point from some source not necessarily them when I'm tired when I'm depleted when I'm needing And I'm around people like that. And then they put me down or they say something quite negative. Oh, that's awful. I just feel drained. I feel like I don't want these people in my life anymore. I feel judgmental. And that's because my cup isn't full. I don't think the way that we come together as a society and a world consciousness is to cut people out of our lives. We're seeing a rising level in suicides um, in the last few years. And that, I think, is because we have this idea that we have to cut people out of our lives that feel draining in some way. And of course, 
everyone can feel that. No one, like these days, no one really even wants to ask for help. No one wants to feel like they're a drain. You know, it's really hard sometimes to reach out to someone and to say, I need your help because we don't want to be seen as negative. You know, we have this huge uh kind of pressure these days that we have to be positive everything that we say has to be positive everything that we think everything that we do has to be positive but what does that mean it means that we're just sort of living in a false kind of la la land where everything's amazing everything isn't amazing shadow and light is what makes up life it's that duality that we dance between that's what makes us human that's what makes us real it's that kind of juxtaposition that allows us to create and change and evolve and yet all we seem to want to do is move ever closer towards positivity without ever facing our shadow but the shadow is there the shadow doesn't go away just because we post 10 photos on instagram about how happy we are the shadow doesn't go away just because we choose not to hang around negative people the shadow is still there it's under the surface it goes underground it becomes ever larger but it's always going to be there our job is to understand how we can integrate that into our lives, how we can bring the destitute and the homeless and the impoverished and the addicts and the, the ones that we judge to our dinner table because that's what the greats did. That's what Jesus did. That's what Gandhi did. That's what the kind of greats that we've always looked up to for a reason did. They didn't turn their back on the down and outs of society. They didn't turn their back on the shadow. They welcomed it with open arms and said, the love that I experience because I am forever connected to the eternal source of love will heal everything, including you, and will reconnect you to the eternal source of love. So you will no longer feel that you need to feed off anyone. And it will transform you. And in transforming you, it transforms the world. This is how we are of service. And it doesn't mean that we have to give to charity or volunteer or all these things if we feel we don't have the time for it. It's just a kind word. It's just, you know what? Sometimes it's just a kind thought. As you walk past that homeless guy on the street, as you walk past that woman that you feel, you know, is an energy vampire, as you're at work with the boss that you feel drains you, is to, instead of sending hate, send love. If you have a friend in your life that you feel is exhausting or negative or you don't like being around them, Okay, maybe don't spend so much time with them, but send them a text message, pick up the phone to them, send them a funny little email, connect them on social media, just ask them how they are. Um, I've had times in my life where things have been very challenging for me, and I've noticed, and I've had huge periods in my life of that, of that kind of, um, as, as much as you experience the highs of life, you know, the beauty and the joy of it, there comes a time when you kind of, crash out and you just experience the darkness and I've experienced some really dark periods in my life of feeling very isolated and unloved and unworthy and uh, very lost and in that time it has been very very interesting always to notice the people that stand by me and the people that don't um, the friends that stand by me, the family members, the colleagues, everyone really. And what I often notice is that when you're in that place, when I've been in that place where I need, I need, I need love, I need attention, I need kindness. The people that I assumed would give me that, would give me a kind word, who would sort of ring me up and say, do you want to go out for lunch? Let me just cheer you up. are not there. They're there when I'm on a high. They're there when I'm, you know, working, producing, creating, healing. You know, when I'm in that zone and I've got all that energy around me and I'm sort of magnetic to be around. Oh, yeah, then they're around. Then they want to hang out with me. Then in come the texts and the emails and the phone calls. But when I'm in a different space, when I'm really struggling, 
it's very interesting to see the energy that comes towards me. And so what I learn in those periods is the really magical people in my life. And it's often people that I don't even have a very strong connection to. It'll often be the kindness of strangers. You know, it'll be people that I barely know that will reach out to me and help me and show me the kindness that the people that I do know very well I'd have hoped would have given me. And I find that a very interesting perspective on human nature is that what is it about us how have we become like this because I don't think we were like this 20 or 30 years ago when I was at university which is about 20 years ago a bit more um I had a group of friends that we were so tight and we were not squeaky clean we had issues you know we did the whole thing we had addictions and trauma and family stuff and we didn't sit around and just have you know fun conversations we talked about some dark stuff if I was in tears if I needed someone I absolutely could pick up the phone to any one of my friends go around to their place knock on their door and say help me and they would absolutely help me and we carried on being like that in each other's lives for a very long time you know, well into our 20s and 30s until life took us in many different directions. And I think it wasn't just that life took us in different directions. I think society, a world consciousness started to change and this insidiousness started to creep in that you can't be around people who bring your vibe down. But we didn't used to think that way 20 years ago. You know, we were like, well, this person is my friend and I love them and they're going through a difficult time. And when they're feeling good, they you know, they're amazing to be around. And when they're not feeling good, they're not so amazing to be around. But that's just being human. We now have this expectation that the people that we're around should always be amazing to be around. And we have some very high profile speakers and gurus and healers telling us that you only want to surround yourself with people who are better than you. But if we only want to surround ourselves with people who are better than us, what happens to the ones that are not better than us? No one's ever going to want to surround themselves with them. And this is how we ghettoize. This is how we get even more polarized. This is how we segregate. And so I think the the shocking irony and the shocking truth of this time that we're in is that as much as people are talking the speak of unity and collaboration and coming together and sisterhood and all of this stuff... The polarization is at its starkest right now. You know, people are talking the talk, but they're not really walking it. True sisterhood, true feminism, true goddesshood, true unity means that all of the ones that we shun need to be invited to the table also. And I think that means some really uncomfortable conversations. That means women and men sitting down and asking, how did we get to a situation where we have where we have it as being acceptable in our society that rape is an acceptable concept. How have we developed a rape culture, for example, that has allowed these huge revelations that have come out to have gone on for so long? How did we get here as a culture, as men and women? Because man was born of woman. How did we get here? And these are the conversations that we're not having. We're very busy at the moment attacking all men, most men, rape culture, attack, attack, attack. But we're not actually looking at how we got here. We're not going to create any change by isolating those that knew no better. They, they didn't know any better. It's not an excuse, but they didn't know any better. And all that we're creating now is this, is this d- expectation that we always have to be positive. And that expectation is creating a falsehood, a mask of positivity. 
People talk the talk, they get their mala beads, they do their Reiki achievements, and they suddenly think that they are in the light. But our journey isn't about just being in the light. Our journey is about being able to be in the darkness and the light, but to always know that we are both, and being both is okay. We all have the potential in us to be the drug addict, the rapist, the killer, the mugger, the liar, the whore, the prostitute. We all have these archetypes in us. And if we don't visit them in us, they'll continue to be played out in our society anyway because we just stay in one archetype. I am the goddess or, you know, I am the femme fatale or I am the priestess or whatever it is. We have to be able to dance all those archetypes. That's another podcast. But today's podcast is just to shine a light on this polarity and to invite you to not cut out the toxic people from your life. Maybe distance yourself if your cup is empty, but when your cup is full again, see what you can do, whether it's in your prayers or in the physical world, to invite them back into the table, to the table. You know, if you don't want them in your life because it's become that difficult, okay, that's fine, that's self-care, that's good, that's boundaries, but still have them in your prayers. Wish them well. Wish that they find the love that they're seeking. Wish that they get the healing that they need. And in so doing, you start to create unity. And that is what we are here to do, to create and be unity. My website, again, is sacredspacehealing.org. I am passionate about unity and union work. The sacred union work is something that has been evolving for a number of years. So please check it out if any of this resonates with you sacredspacehealing.org you can send me an email uh, at amber at sacredspacehealing.org you can check out the facebook page as well wherever you are in your journey i send you much love joy and unity until the next time so it is and so it shall be